Hey guys. I don't know how far to hold it, so. Okay, good. Oh, got the shaky hands and the wobbly knees, guys. Okay, this is exciting. Uh, hi, I'm Lydia. Nice to meet you all. If I haven't met you personally, it's lovely to meet you. Um, and while I've got the mic, I'd also love to just say thank you to all of you who have welcomed our family here. We moved down in January from the Waikato and we've just felt really like hugged by this church and, and welcomed um, like, like a family. So thank you so much. Um, hi, I'm Lydia Gow. I, um, when Dre asked me to do this, I was like, awesome, because I grew up in a very small island in Papua New Guinea. I got all these great stories, childhood stories, and I could tell cool stuff. People think I'm funny and interesting. And then um, I just kept having this other thing come back to me. And I was like, oh, but the stories and like the funny stuff. Um, but hopefully this will be good too. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start off with um, just a quote by A.W. Tozer. Let's see if I can manage. Here we go. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Let it sink in for a minute. There's a lot of things about us, but what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. He's not just talking about Christians. You know, he's talking about everybody, atheists, Buddhists, everybody. Because this is at the core of our being as humans. That is because what you believe about God will affect the value you place on yourself and on others. Do you believe that you are lovingly created or are you just a random pile of blob of cells? Are you something? Are you nothing? Do you have a purpose in this life and beyond? Or are you just here while it lasts? Good, then it's done. That's it, nothing. Um, these questions all come from our beliefs around God. So today I'm talking about God's love for us. There's a whole lot of debates around God's love and are we worthy of God's love? Are we not worthy? Were we born worthy? Did we become worthy through Christ? I'm not going to go there because I don't have a theology degree and uh, you have Pastor Dre and Pastor Lyndon and my dad Mike who will answer all of your questions, especially the hard ones. They love those. Um, but the important thing about it is where we can agree, which is God's love. God's love is unconditional. If our beliefs about God really are the most important thing about us, then imagine if we could truly believe that we don't have to earn his love. We don't have to behave any certain way or be good little Christians. It's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Let's look at a scripture around God's love. Romans 8, 38 to 39. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can read it yourself. It's basically saying that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing we do, nothing that happens to us. His love is there unconditionally. As humans, I think we're very uncomfortable with the idea of unconditional love because we like to have parameters, little tick boxes that we can say, I've done this, I've done that, so now I can have his love. Yes, earned it. In our world, love is presented along with conditions. You know, if we're funnier and smarter and skinnier and more successful in our business, we are more worthy of love. We have lists that might qualify people as worthy of our love and things that we think qualify us. So naturally, we transfer this belief system to the way we think Jesus feels about us. If we read our Bibles enough, if we're a good person, if we tithe more, if we don't swear, if we don't smoke, all of these do's and don'ts, then we might earn his love. It's quite silly when you think about it and say it out loud, but it is how we feel sometimes, eh? Look at that. There is a picture. 
look how cute Hannah is. Sorry, but that's adorable. Um, <laughs> so that's my family. I grew up in Papua New Guinea, like I said, on a small island. Um, most of my childhood memories was a little island called Pangoa, and we came back just before I was 10. Awesome childhood. The stories I could tell you. Great place to grow up. Um, but being the only white people there, and the only white people that probably any of our friends had ever seen, um, it was quite obvious that I wasn't one of them, and I didn't quite fit in. Loved it, but was definitely you know, not one of the locals. Then when we came back to New Zealand, I wasn't in Papua New Guinea anymore. I looked like I fit in, but I didn't feel like I fit in because I felt like a Papua New Guinean. <laughs> so I was white and I, I looked the same, but I didn't understand you know, references to music or TV or fashion. I was very dorky. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't really feel like I fit in with the locals in New Zealand either. So um, there was a bit of an identity thing going on. I became a little bit of a chameleon. I just kind of flew under the radar. I thought, I'll figure out what is expected in this situation, and I'll just do that, and I'll, that'll be cool. I won't draw any attention to myself. <laughs> that took me through to my teenage years. Everyone kind of just thought, Lydia's really shy. That's cool. But really, I just didn't know who I was, and I didn't feel like I fit in. Now, who knows that not being yourself is not sustainable? <laughs> it comes out eventually, doesn't it? In my early teen years, my grandma gave me this poster. It's not this poster, but it's this quote by Ethel Waters. The poster that I got said, I'm me, and that's okay, because God don't make no junk. <laughs> and I was a bit of a tomboy, and I thought, she's just trying to give me something that's hip and cool, and that's kind of cute, a little bit cheesy, but, you know, that's cool. I just kind of shrugged it off. But the quote actually stayed with me. Am I really okay how I am? I'd always known that God loved me. Jesus Loves Me was a song that we were sung every night for years. Just a couple of years ago, we stopped. <laughs> my parents sang it to us every night that I can remember in my whole childhood. And we sing it to our kids too now. Um, so in my head, yes, Jesus loves me. But this was more of a love with a view to what I could become. Maybe if I keep working on things and becoming a better person, eventually I'll actually earn all of that love. I do have some, but I could earn more. The search for identity caught up with me in my 20s. I just got sick of feeling like a fake, like an imposter. You know, I do all the right behaviours, but it's not genuine. It didn't feel like it was me. So back to that A.W. Tozer quote, my belief about God was that he did love me, but I wasn't really good enough for all of his love. I didn't have my identity in him, and I felt like all the amazing things in my life still weren't enough. Now, I'm just going to pause and give a disclaimer. Every time I've gone through this, I have cried, ugly cried. <laughs> I actually said it in front of my girls last night because they were going to be in kids' church. So I said it to them, and halfway through, the three of us were blubbering. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God's love is so awesome. And they were like, we know, Mum. And they were just hugging and crying. So I'm halfway through, and I haven't yet, but I'm um, just warning. I've got my waterproof mascara on. We're good. Um, oh, now I've lost my place, guys. No, we're good. Um, so I was thinking, you know, is this all there is? Is being a nice person so I get to heaven? Is that all there is to being a Christian? Then one day I found myself completely overwhelmed with everything. I, um, I put my two little girls for a nap, so they're now my big girls, but they were about six months and a year and a half old then. And I knelt down on the floor in the lounge, had my nose on the carpet. I remember thinking, I need to vacuum, but 
this is what I'm doing. And I said to God, this is your chance. I've got maybe an hour while they're napping, if I'm lucky. I'm going to stay here for that hour. I am just desperate for you to say something to me. I don't know what I need you to say, but please say something. Whew, we good? And straight away, I had three things drop into my heart. And I've never heard God's voice. Oh, I can't look at Hannah. Oh. <laughs> I've never heard God's voice audibly, but this was as close as I have come. It was just crystal clear. Okay, hang in there. God said to me, I see you. Yep. He spoke to my feelings of being invisible and being like a chameleon. He said, I see you. He said, I know you, even though I didn't feel like I knew myself. I'm intimately known by him because he made me. And the third thing he said is, I choose you. You're precious to me. I made you just right. And you're perfect, even in your imperfections. (laughs) Take a break. Everyone take a breath. It's okay. Okay. I ran to my room. Honestly, I wrote it down straight away so that I would never forget this moment where I encountered God's unconditional love for me. I was laughing, crying, like, like this. <laughs> and I couldn't believe I just heard God so clearly. This was like life-changing. Okay, I'm struggling with the page. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Now notice, God didn't say anything about how I was behaving or what my responsibilities are as a Christian. This was about who God is and who I am, and that's it. Our pastor in Hamilton, Don Barry, a lot of wise words from that man. But he said, the thing about love is that if it isn't freely given and freely received, it ceases to be love. So that means there is no such thing as conditional love. What the world teaches us about love is actually a farce, guys. Love does not have strings attached or depend on good behavior or even depend on being completely understood. Now, that's not to say that we don't love our families. (laughs) So please don't go home and say, I learned at church, I don't actually love you. Just because we aren't, we're not God, we can't love unconditionally. But we do our best with what we have. It's a replica of the real thing. But we, we do love our families, obviously. But we do have strings attached. It's just because we're human. What we can do is understand God's unconditional love for us. Try to understand God's unconditional love for us. That revelation that I am loved unconditionally has carried me through many ups and downs because his love doesn't depend on me. His love happens no, mo- no matter what else happens. That was one of the definitions of the word unconditional. Unconditional means it will happen no matter what else happens. His love for you is already happening. We can't do anything to earn it, and we can't do anything to lose it. That changes everything because we can live in gratitude for his love, not trying to earn it, not striving. We have the freedom. That is the first kicker. There's the second kicker. If God loves all his children, all his creation, then it has to be unconditional for everybody. God so loved the world. He didn't just love the good little Christians. That goes against everything we feel in the natural world because surely good people deserve God's love more than bad people because there's good and bad people, aren't there? Maybe. Okay. (laughs) 1 John 3.1 See how very much our Father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. All of us are his children, not just the ones that discover his love. So for some of us, we don't feel worthy. We have baggage and mess and ugliness. Maybe we need to know today 
that we're absolutely unconditionally loved and accepted by our Heavenly Father. He's not waiting for us to have it all together. He already loves you as much as he ever will and ever has. And maybe for others of us, oh my gosh, I keep doing that. Maybe learning that God loves everyone unconditionally is a challenge. To think that someone else who isn't living as I think they should live, that they get as much of their unconditional love as I do. (laughs) It seems a bit unfair. This is probably maybe more common in people that have grown up in church circles because we have a little bit of a ranking system sometimes, earning God's love, being good. But that's self-righteous and that's what the Pharisees did. And it's wrong. So maybe we need to allow God to show us his love for others in a new way. Maybe your hearts become hard or judgmental. Maybe you struggle to reconcile the fact that he loves everyone, even those who have wronged you. Hen, do you think you could come up? Thank you. To finish off, I'm just going to show some portraits. Um, these are of Jesus washing feet. Now, we find foot washing a little bit weird and awkward, but culturally it symbolizes the humility and the selfless love of Jesus. And I think these pictures demonstrate his love for all people, all kinds of people. So as we watch, as we listen to the music, why don't you just ask to God to meet you wherever you are on your journey of understanding his unconditional love for you and for others. Thank you. Let me out of the desert Into streams, river of living waters Turn my bedroom into sweet All my burdens are lifted Took the shackles off my feet Oh, there's no sound louder than A captive set free There is joy in the morning Rising up in my soul, there is life worth living. Cause he calls me his own, there's a hallelujah. After sweet victory, oh, there's no sound louder than a captive set free. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises evermore. Pour out your thankfulness. Let it overflow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You are my deliverer, you are my promised land. You are my deliverer, you are my promised land. You are my deliverer, the freedom I'm living in. You are my deliverer, you are my promised land. You are my deliverer, the freedom I'm living in. You are my deliverer, you are my promised land. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises evermore. Pour out your thankfulness, let it overflow. Let
some 